0: It was the ending of The Russia House, uh, one of the episodes, previous episodes um, about the Sean Connery espionage thriller, and the ending in that movie um, had a profound effect on me in terms of it was almost a fantasy, like a dream moment. And uh, I was thinking about it last night um, and was racking my brains to think of another movie that had that type of dreamy ending. I don't mean like Inception, I mean a cinematic dream, transcendent moment and um, suddenly I realised as I was drifting off to sleep, which seemed appropriate. Um, was the ending of The Border, the 1982 Jack Nicholson movie, um, which had been on my list for years. That's now an in-joke on this podcast. All of them have been on our list for years, haven't they? Um, Some of them have been added very recently, though. This is a, a thing I use to make sure that you're paying attention because to the sharp-eared pipe head, um, you will know I make inconsistent statements about when I added things to the list. So um, I want you to know that the border was on my list for a number of years. It was accelerated up in terms of priorities because my dear friend, the journalist uh, filmmaker and fellow podcaster Sam Ashurst uh, did make a recommendation to me to prioritise the border with fans of Nicholson, um, especially his more obscure work because he did he does make some interesting choices um, throughout his career. He's obviously, he's Jack Nicholson. He has that career as Jack, but due to that power that weight that he brings. He also has made some really interesting uh, decisions throughout his career. And there's this almost secondary filmography um, of Nicholson films that often get about, forgotten about for obvious, you know, various reasons, distribution, whatever. So the availability of The Border um certainly to my knowledge, uh, has been fairly limited. Um, but I actually, I, I rented this uh, from the library, believe it or not, um, which is something I haven't done for a long, long time. And certainly since moving to the US, um, haven't visited a library. But my wife told me that she had a library account. Um, and there was an app that you can now rent uh, movies and they have all sorts of peculiar films on there. I'm not sure exactly who curates <coughs> um, the library app over here, but whoever it is, I salute you because uh, you you chose to program uh, the border. Anyway, so I did watch it a little while ago. Um but, like i say the as I was reminiscing about the ending of the Russia House on the Russia House episode um and again i don't want to ruin it because if you haven't seen the Russia House, you know i I don't want to take that experience away from you, but it's very dreamy um which does start you know after the movie, it leaves you thinking, did this really happen? You hope it did for the sake of the characters and the relationship that they built through that movie. But again, the way it's shot, it's also repeated, which is very strange. Um, Almost like a memory or a recall. So I think there was a nice signal to the audience, those who were paying attention. Perhaps there's something more at play here. Um, And I got that impression from how the border ends. Now, I don't know if any of you have even heard of The Border, but this is a 1982 neo-noir uh, directed by Tony Richardson. Um, and he's most well known for, um, as a director, um, you know, The Loneliness of a Long-Distance Runner. He's got Ned Kelly in there. Um... You know, he's uh, he's had quite an interesting uh, filmography over the years. Um, the uh, look back in anger, the um, Burton, Richard Burton, sort of kitchen sink drama. Um, so it's, you know, I think he's bringing a certain pedigree to this film. Um, and Nicholson plays a character that's not tonally not dissimilar from his uh, Five Easy Pieces guy. Um, But again, Nicholson is... It's a strange casting decision to have Nicholson in this movie. And initially, it's unsettling seeing Nicholson play this role um, because... He isn't particularly sophisticated. He doesn't have a lot of swagger. Um, he's actually a low-level um, agent in the uh, immigration uh, agency in the in the US. Uh, I guess today it would be um, the ICE, like an ICE agent under the Homeland Security. Um, and you get the impression very quickly that he's he hasn't moved up the career ladder for whatever reason. Um, He's, you know, really scraping a living. He has a very demanding wife. And, um, you know, I think that was an initial hurdle you had to get over with Nicholson being in this role because typically he brings that Jack Nicholson energy. And even if he's trying to suppress it, it's underneath the surface. Now, what he, the the genius of his acting decisions here, and I don't know if this was something that him and the director worked on, but that Jack Nicholson charisma energy is channeled in a really interesting way through this character. There's a sense of um, you know loneliness and drifting like, away from society, um, which is, you know, kind of a dichotomy, considering his job. His job is to manage the transience of human migration um, through the US-Mexico border. So, in a strange way, as a person, he represents this drifting soul Um, And Nicholson nails it, like absolutely nails this energy. And again, it's not something that's necessarily written. It's something that comes through in his physical performance. And I think a lot of that is him suppressing and channeling the, you know, trademark Jack Nicholson energy um, into this very, almost like a coiled spring as we, as the movie progresses. And, um there's a fantastic sort of you know line through like a thread through this movie, which almost foretells um, what's, you know what's what's going to happen in the future. It's not premonition or anything like that. it's more about there's moments where Nicholson will be sat on his couch it's at night. His wife is asleep, he's sat there with a gun and he's you know kind of got the thousand-yard stare and you wonder, what exactly is this guy thinking? Um, and the scenes preceding that didn't give any suggestion really that he, he would put himself into that state. Um, and there's just other scenes. Um, there's one where he's at a bar and the, the framing is very... He's at the edge of the frame um, and the camera lingers and holds on him for a period of time, which again gives you an idea of they're trying to communicate, the filmmakers are trying to communicate um, the atmosphere which is being created around this character. He is almost uh, creating this force field around him, um, which is becoming more and more... Pressured and stressful, and is you know, it's almost like he's predestined to uh, explode or collapse. Um, And he sees some terrible um, activities that are going on. Um, You know, he's stationed in California when the movie starts, and then his wife's friend uh, basically convinces them to move. Um, down into El Paso, so they're on the, you know, really on the on the border um, of, of Mexico and um, the US, and uh, she wants to create this life, you know, the kind of, the idyllic, I guess, American dream, you know, she wants her hair done, her nails, she wants to have the massage, the water bed, blah, 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 and he kind of just goes along with it, she racks up a bunch of credit card bills, she um, holds these parties and he becomes integrated into this society um, where other things are now starting to happen, sinister things are starting to happen and ultimately he gets, uh, he kind of gets coerced into being part of a human trafficking um sort of underground human trafficking scheme of which his superiors in the border force are part of, are kind of allowing to happen because they're getting kickbacks. And um, he reluctantly kind of goes along with it, um, but ultimately there's something in him that has to stand up against it. Um, And again, there's this sort of reluctance to him doing the right thing but the universe is almost directing him um, to um, you know, basically elevate himself above his own standing and um, ultimately do the right thing or at least try and intervene in this horrible affair that's happening um, along the way. He befriends um, uh, a single mother and um, or at least has some sort of empathy or a moment of compassion for this young girl who has a two or three year old daughter. And they're trying to cross the border um, and they ultimately get put into uh, this holding sort of jail or whatever. Um, and that child does get taken, um, and I forget exactly for what purpose I believe it could have been for a, you know for human trafficking purposes, but that child is taken, and the mother is obviously distraught um, anyway i don 't want to ruin the ending, but based on what i 'm telling you, you could probably anticipate um, the extent to which he helps resolve that problem. Um, And the final frame, literally, the very last frame of this movie, um, and it's a freeze frame, it was unbelievably moving and impactful in a way that, uh, you know, I'd not been hit over the head like that before. Um, And I'm just now rewinding all the way to the beginning of the movie there's this amazing scene in this Mexican town and the camera is just like floating through these crowds and very Peck and Par esque if you've seen the beginning of The Wild Bunch um, and the way that the camera is moving through um, that town and that type of scene and the, the cinematography creates this uh, mood this kind of vibe this this movie has a very peck and par energy um, both in the extreme bursts of uh, violence and also the use of the cinematography this sort of floating drifting camera work and um, there's some slow motion in there as well um, but you get the sense that Nicholson's character really is just caught up in this thing. He's almost drifting through the story and things are happening to him. But it gets to a point where he realises if he doesn't do anything, nothing's going to change. Um, And I think that's why the movie ends the way it does because it ends on an unbelievable act of humanity and it almost writes all of the bad that happened previously, and the fact that it freezes um, creates this indelible moment in time. It's, this is the peak. This, all of these bad things happened, so this good thing could happen, and that's what we want to take away from this moment. That's what Nicholson's character did it for. And if he doesn't live beyond that moment, which he doesn't in the movie in terms of his character, because it ends as an audience, we are left with this almost burnt into our retina, this image um, of humanity overcoming uh, the evils of the world, both subjective and objective. Um, And I think Sam, going back to Sam Ashurst here, who I know he's not listening to this yet because I haven't actually shared this podcast with him I was waiting to have about a dozen or so episodes um but Sam if you are listening to this episode um I just want to give you a shout out obviously because I love you but also we connected over this moment at the end of the movie which you had not told me about because I know you wanted me to see it for the first time um but that did flash back to me when I was reviewing The Russia House, because that has a similar moment um, in terms of that indelible, almost, uh, you know, dreamy fantasy moment where nothing else in the world matters except that one positive thing. Um, So that's The Border. Highly, highly recommend uh, you checking this out if you've never seen it before. Um, Harvey Keitel is in there. Um, he has a really interesting role as the, um, and I think he represents, um, (laughs) I keep saying this on pretty much every movie, but there's, he is coded with the, a metaphor about, um, the American capitalist system. And, uh, I think what you really take away from that movie is Charlie, Nicholson's character is a man out of time and he is colliding with the modern American system. Um, so you, there's aspects of a Western here. It's also a noir because there is a detective element to it. Um, so that's a really interesting blending of genres. Uh, the music was great and, um, yeah, just, a really underrated hidden gem from Nicholson's filmography and I highly recommend um, you finding this one or if it comes across your desk, give it give it two hours because I think you will be rewarded. Um, is it a perfect movie? No. But through that imperfection, I believe it's an important piece of American cinema um, and uh, I really loved it. That was Movie Pipe, and uh, one of the more sober episodes, I think. I didn't really crack any jokes there. There was a few callbacks to um, some of the goofy stuff that we do as we go and find our way through this podcast. Um, I just want to give a shout-out to my podcast partner, Will. I know I dunk on him a little bit, but it's, it's all part of the act. We're performing here um and i i really enjoyed his pump up the volume episode which i think was the one before this in terms of the timeline anyway this was movie pipe i'm trying to remember more films like the border because i like talking about it ciao